Welcome to episode number five of the Tiffinator Training Podcast Series. I'm Tiffany Gray and I'm your host. Today we have Dr. Sean Drake, who is the founder of Athlete Chiropractic. In today's conversation, we're going to be discussing the importance of assessment, proper mechanics, and addressing foundational issues, which ultimately impact how well somebody adapts to exercise and how well they can perform exercise. Dr. Drake has also worked with professional teams and athletes and has a lot of experience in this area. So this is the last episode of season one of the Tiffinator Training Podcast Series. I hope you've enjoyed the conversations and that you've learned a great deal. This is information that you can apply to your exercise journey or your fitness journey and also as you go through your daily life. If you know anyone who could benefit from this information, please share this podcast. Take care, Tiffinator Training out. Welcome to our podcast today. Today I'm talking to Dr. Sean Drake, who's the founder of Athlete Chiropractic in Scottsdale, in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is not too far from here in, at Arizona State. Dr. Sean, welcome to the podcast and, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tiffany, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on, especially when we're able to feed the future practitioners and uh, kinesiologists and exercise phys experts. Uh, you know, a little bit about me. Um, I was uh, Florida State. I was a walk-on track team there. Um, I've ran track and field my whole life. And uh, through that, I was doing political science, international business and economics. Um, got into a really bad car accident when I was in college. Kind of led me into chiropractic. I uh, went to chiropractic college in Atlanta at Life University. And from there, I did a master's in sport injury management and got connected with Kennesaw State Sports Medicine, started to work with several others in the Atlanta area. And through that time to now, I've been blessed to be in some, uh, create some phenomenal practices, some a really cool sports institute up in San Francisco, uh, collaborate and work with the founders of TPI, Dr. Greg Rose and Dave Phillips. Um, we've developed a on-base U certification for baseball, softball, and racket fit for tennis. And we, uh, I'm blessed to travel the world and teach other practitioners how to break out the sports-specific athlete. That sounds great. I mean, Sean, you've got such a fantastic background. And I know that you work with all levels of athletes, from, from the, the amateur athletes to elite athletes. And then I also know that you, you also work with weekend warriors or people who, are, who uh, just are, are active. And they're hindered by whatever injuries or whatever issues. You have absolutely, any, uh, I think. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say absolutely. I think you know, a lot of times people forget that all of us are athletes. And you know, for the students that are listening, uh, it's really important to know that. You know, so many people are devastated because they can't move like they moved back when they were, you know, teens and in college, and so they think, well. I'm just old or I'm getting older and, you know, there's no hope for me. Um, when in reality, with some basic, simple screens and protocols, we can get people moving better again to where now they have hope. They're excited. Uh, they get back to having zealous, you know, life back, you know, and, um, you know, it's not just about taking care of the pro. It's taking the knowledge that we've gained from working with professional athletes and seeing the data and filtering that down to work with the general population. You know, I think that's so important. I really liked how you said that everybody is an athlete. And a lot of times when we think, oh, everybody's an athlete, we, we imagine 
the pro athletes or we imagine the high level amateur athletes, but you're absolutely right. And I would say that obviously we've got elite athletes and amateur athletes and, and they're kind of, you know, in, in terms of percentages, they're far more other people who are the, have the athlete within that I, I'm sure can benefit from all of this. And one of the 100%. Things, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that, you know, oftentimes we get stuck in a, in a philosophy of style. And what that means is that, you know, in our clinic here at Athlete Chiropractic and the companies that I've been a part of, you know, TPI coined this model of saying that there's not one way to swing a golf club, that there's an infinite number of ways, but there's one efficient way for the athlete to do that movement. And it's based on what they can physically do. I've adopted that in our clinic of saying, look, I don't care what someone tells you you're supposed to do. I want to see what you can do, see what your potential is, see what your physical limitations are, correct those and make you move for your own efficiency. Instead of saying, Hey, if you're doing a squat, you have to break parallel. You have to, you know, keep your arms above your head. Well, if you physically can't do that, well, we need to modify your exercise program so you can be efficient. And then over time, as we clean up these patterns, Maybe you will be able to do that, but instead of just prescribing people what we think they should do versus seeing what they can actually do first, that creates a recipe for disaster sometimes. Oh yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's one of, I know a lot of times students struggle with um, having almost a rigid type of thinking where it has to, you know, they believe that it has to meet a certain criteria, wherein it's it's vital to look at the person individually and assess what, you know, if there are any limitations or if there are any problems where they can't do it correctly, then we have to modify it so that they can. And I think that's so important. I'm glad that you brought that up. Now, one of the things Thank you. that, well, one of the things too, that, that uh, chiropractic essentially is, is founded on and what the, I, what, the focus is spine health. And so when you're taking a look at, let's say that you've got a weekend warrior or actually any of any of the athletes that you've worked with, and you have somebody who might have, uh, maybe they're having trouble, uh, hip trouble or knee trouble. What are some of the things, how, would, how might you assess them? What are some things that you look for? No, that's a great um, question because the key thing you said there is that a lot of people, when they think chiropractic, they only think spine. They only think the neck. Um, they don't realize that, you know, we're looking at the body collectively as a whole and that the brain actually controls everything. And so, you know, when we are breaking out the spine, remember, there's two major parts to it. You've got the, you know, cervical uh, three, you got cervical, thoracic, and lumbar. Um, but there's different areas that need to be mobile, different areas that need to be stable, in order for a person to function correctly. Uh, so if we use, you know, Mike Boyle's regional interdependence model of the mobility and stability model, you know, the body's not just the spine. You know, we've got to look at, if we're going from the ground up, that the foot's stable, that the ankle's mobile, that the knee's stable, that the hip's mobile, that the low back is stable, that the thorax, which consists of the rib cage, the spine, the fascia, that that's mobile, that the scapula is actually stable and able to function so that the shoulder can be mobile. The, the elbow is now stable, the wrist is mobile, the hand stable, and going from the neck, the lower part of the neck is going to be stable and the upper part is going to be mobile. So from a chiropractic perspective, 
I'm always trying to see, well, if someone comes in, say, with back pain or neck pain, that may be their issue, but that may not be the cause. So I'm going to look at the, you know, mobile stable stability versus mobility and say, okay, is this really a mobility problem? Is the mobile joints restricted to where now they become stable and cause the stable areas to become mobile? Or do they have perfect range of motion? And now it's maybe a brain issue where it's a motor control problem. Have they lost their pattern to actually move correctly to be able to do what they're doing? So the body's compensating in different levels. So, you know, for the listeners and the students on the call, I think it's really important to realize that, you know, chiropractic's not just the spine. Chiropractic's neurology of the body. Chiropractic's understanding and being able to diagnose where the cause of the problem's coming. And then more importantly, have the tools to be able to correct what you find. And if you can't, you know, correct it, be able to collaborate with the team around you, whether that's working with physical therapists, you know, other medical doctors, um, or maybe a vestibular specialist, but knowing that you aren't the end all, that there's other professions out there that you can collaborate and work with. That's a, you know, that's a, a, another great point is that all of, you know, all of the, the specialists work together. And I've, I've really seen a, a shift in that over the last 15 or so years that I've been in this field is that now it's about maximizing what we do for the client and what we do for the patient. And I think that's that's absolutely um, that's so very important because you are treating the entire person. Now, if we were to take a look at uh, one of the one of the things that we like to take a look at is the is neuromotor activities. Do you ever do anything um, when you're assessing somebody and you're figuring out whatever issues? How might you use um, neuromotor exercise? So, do you ever focus on uh, agility, uh, agility, coordination, gait, balance—is that part of it? Yeah, that's that's a major part of our clinic because again, we're we're really trying to improve performance in ours. Um, so even with pain, you want to know what somebody can do, right? Right. Sometimes pain can just be the emergency brake that's shutting off their ability to have agility, to be able to have proper reaction time, to have cognitive ability. Um, so in our clinic, we actually use uh, a couple really cool tools. Um, one's called blaze pods. That's super inexpensive right now. Uh, and to me, I think it's one of the best ways to, you know, be able to check reaction time, check some of the cognitive skills so I can, you know, put them up on the wall and set up a pattern to where they have to hit only blue or we change the colors and now we, we make it faster. We say, okay, you can only go on this time. Um, we use different types. We use BOSU balls. Um, I've got another thing called in here called Tracer, um, T-R-A-Z-E-R. And what's amazing about this tool, it, it kind of creates an avatar and it's a, um, it's a, it's a camera-based system tool to where I can measure somebody. So we have a lateral agility, so we're checking left to right. We have um, a regional agility, so I can look at diagonal. So, And what's cool is it measures them going into these movements. And during class and, and during our lecture, I'll actually show this. Um, but then we also have a, we can do best testing. So if we're looking at concussion work, we're looking at cognitive balance. Um, we have planker tests. So if somebody has like say six arrows, but the middle arrow says left, when they see that, they've got to be able to comprehend that it tells them to go left. And then it measures how much time it takes them to get to that point in touch. Um, so when we're looking at neuro neuromotor exams and we're looking at these, you know, type of um, reflexes and ability to see this, now is the practitioner, I can break out the body and say, okay, well, maybe they have internal rotation in their hip when 
committed on the right. That's why their reaction time might be limited. Maybe the ankle's not working well. So as a practitioner, I can clean that up, put them back through the exercise, work with my strength conditioning specialist to improve that. And now we see that relate back onto court or the golf course or the field and the sport that they're working with. Wow, that's a really, that the tracer sounds absolutely phenomenal. Do you, do you use, have you used that in uh, all kinds of athletes or is this something that you uh, reserve for maybe the amateur or professional athletes or have you used it for everybody? No, the thing I love about this is it gamifies the treatment process and the training. Um, so actually Trace has done a couple amazing studies with the elderly population and they produced hip falls in a lot of the um, uh, senior living homes. And then more importantly, looking at kids with ADHD, kids with deficits, because now they can stay focused and they can start to work on this. Um, so it's a really cool tool that I can use from, you know, basically I'd say it from like cradle to grave that, you know, if you're, if you're born and you're, and you're going down, this is a cool tool to measure where you're at and then see if we're improving. Oh, that's, that's a great idea. I love that you can, just like with any assessment technique, you can do a, a baseline test and then, you know, the intervention, the, the treatment, the exercises, and then continue with that assessment. And I, I would imagine that is, that's really going to explode in terms of using it for the geriatric population. And I think also when we look at obesity in the country right now, um, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, and, and Tiffany, you and I have talked about this, is one of the things that I see from a practitioner role right now is so many people you know, showing up with um, injuries just because they haven't worked out in a long time. And now all of a sudden they've, they've got all this time on their hands and they haven't been properly assessed, but they may get a workout program online um, and they may not be able to do that movement. So they're pushing their bodies to a limit that they can't physically do. And now they're breaking down. And so, you know, with the, the obese population, especially in our country, you know, we need to take an extra step. We need to ask them questions and we need to get them bought in and doing things like this to where now we can almost, like I used the word earlier, gamify it to where it makes the treatment and exercise fun. And maybe, you know, you've got to, you know, let's just take a young kid, for example, um, one of my patients, you know, didn't want to go see a, a practitioner, doesn't want to do things um, because it's not fun. And now you take things like blaze pods um, and you order them for the family and they can actually set them up in the house and the kid's actually moving and enjoying it because it's, it's like he's like playing a video game when they come here on Tracer, i had a patient in the other day um a female mom and you know the kid was kind of all over the place and we turned the Tracer on and the kid was like just focused the entire time and loved it and he's like mom i want one of these for my house <laughs> what if we could take this you know from a kinesiology perspective and give this to the masses. That's, that's the goal here is to get people moving, get them moving well, but have objective data of what they have so we can properly prescribe them the right plan. That's, that sounds phenomenal. I mean, that sounds, that's definitely something that could be used and that could benefit a lot of people. And I think in terms of obesity, you know, as we've talked about, that, that's the direction that the country is going in. And so I think it's a smart idea. One, I mean, our principal, we don't, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want an exercise intervention to be something that they get hurt and then they don't ever want to go back to it. And so I love how this, this particular tool can, can help with that. And then, you know, I think we should go off into the obesity tangent a little bit. 
and uh, some of the injuries that we might see when it comes to people doing too much too fast, who haven't been active in a mm -hmm. long time. What are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think when you're dealing with the obese population, um, you're dealing with a, a time bomb. And I mean that in a very nice way, mm -hmm. um, because you can't just think of them as a normal client. Uh, a lot of them have been depressed. Um, they're dealing with some mental stuff that's going on. And so if we come at them too hard, too fast, it, it kind of um, discredits what you can do for them because they get frustrated. Now their emotions change and that creates a, a neural pathway to where they don't want to do it. Um, so one, we've got to think of their physical capacity. We've got to think about their technical, tactical capacity. You know, what do they want to do? What are their goals? So always, you know, talking to them about, hey, what is it that you want to accomplish? Um, you know, if, and this is a this is a question I use with all of my clients. I say, look, you know, if you walked into athlete chiropractic and you saw a lamp and, and you rubbed the lamp and a, a genie popped out and I'm the genie, what are three ways that I can help you for your life or for your performance? And it's often unique to me, even at the highest level, that people sometimes don't know what they want. And so before we do anything, you really need to find out why that client's there. And yeah. because you want to match that, that's what's going to make them continue on the path of listening to you. Um, so we may have this you know, awesome idea because we've read these books and we've been in these classes and all these case studies um, about what we should do. But in reality, take a step back and listen. Close your mouth, ask the question, then close your mouth and see what they want. Because if you can match what they want and you can work within their guidelines, they're more apt to stay on tune and stay on point with what you're actually creating for them. Number two, when we're working with the obese population is we got to know where they were prior to it. Has this been a chronic thing for them over, over time? Is this new? If this all of a sudden pops up out of nowhere, well, now from a trainer perspective, you may want to collaborate with a doctor. Maybe you want to get some blood work. Maybe there's a hormone imbalance. Maybe there's something else going on that's outside of your control. If you're training them and you're not seeing that go down. If it's a chronic situation, well, maybe we need to talk to them about lifestyle. What are they doing? Have they worked? Have they looked at a diet? And not just a diet, because I think diet is such a word that gets thrown out, but a real lifestyle change. Um, and then on the other hand, it's like, great. If you're getting results, have you hit a plateau? Do you know what to do when you hit the plateau with that individual? Um, maybe you, you're not the trainer for them past that point. Maybe you want to, you know, be the person for obesity and get them to a point and then hand them off. Don't always think that you got to hold on to a client. I think that's a really big thing too here is that don't be afraid to let somebody go when you get them to a point. Be an expert at what you're an expert at. That's a, you've made so many wonderful points. And I really like how you are focusing on what the person wants, because it, ultimately that's, that's people have a reason why they're being active or why they want to be active. And sometimes it's because the doctor said, Hey, you've got to lose X amount of weight. And without an understanding like for the patient or the client with that, without that understanding of, Oh, okay, I have to do this safely. And there are definitely right ways to do it. And there are wrong ways to do it. That that's where the professional, it could be a trainer or whomever comes in and is that knowledge base and helps them get to the goals that they want safely. So that's a, an outstanding point. It's always based on the person's goals. For sure. And I think that that's one thing that you know, whether you're a medical professional or you're, you know, in a training world or you're a coach, 
Um, so many times, that's why I brought up style in the beginning of the call, is that so many people have a, a style of what they think everybody should be. And instead, I think we need to look at what people want to be and what they can be. Well, yeah, and, and one of the, the, biggest, the biggest things that I see students do when it comes to exercise prescription is that, um, that they, they focus on, oh, I know that somebody who's obese, they have to improve uh, strength in the hips and, and legs. And so they might say, oh, I know that box jumps can do that. But the problem is you can't do that. You can't start somebody who's not been active in such a, an activity because they're going to get hurt. And so, you know, it's, I, I think that's the biggest mistake that I see um, in young, you know, people who are, are just acquiring the knowledge that they overestimate what the, the client can actually do. No, that's a really, really good point. And I think, you know, it, for those of the students that are going to go on to the training world, finding a system that you like for assessment, um, you know, I'm going to be you know, kind of selfish here in the sense that I really think functional movement systems has done a great job creating a system and a screen that trainers can use uh, that can create common language to work with outside practitioners, but more importantly, can really catch some red flags before they start training. And, you know, they don't just have the FMS, they've got the functional capacity screen. So now if your patient and your athlete's moving, well, can they do what you want them to do? So, you know, can we check their power? Can we check their strength? Um, can we see where their aerobic capacity is? Um, and then you come up with your plan. So, you know, to me, it's, it's finding a simple system that you can work with your client on, that you can monitor them, that's objective, that you can continually see over time to see if they're improving versus just guessing if they're improving. Yeah, that's a, you, you know, that is so very true. And one of the things, too, is that the functional movement screenings, that is, that really is a, a great way to get an idea of where the person is in terms of, of mobility and and strength, power, and, and yeah, that's where you start. And it's also one of those things, you can have those assessments periodically that make sure they're improving and staying on track. And what's cool now is like, you got companies like Rock Tape that have excellent education on taping. Um, you know, they have cuffing, they have, you know, instrument assist soft tissue, they have their new functional movement um, specialist training, which I, I highly recommend that anybody that's getting into kinesiology or movement biomechanics should definitely take their FMT course uh, because it talks a lot from the brain perspective and the movement perspective. And if you're wanting to get into golf specific or, you know, baseball specific, or, or say you have any sport or whatever it is, you should really be looking to certifications and courses that are in what you have a passion for. Um, because, you know, not all athletes move the same and there are certain strengths with, you know, different types of athletes that you want to look for and there's also red flags that are within those athletes that you want to know. Um, so if you have a passion for a sport, you know, look online, find out what that is. And even as a student, you know, don't think because you're in college that you shouldn't be doing stuff outside of college. I always challenge any of our interns that come into our programs um, that they have to go in, you know, at least because they're like, hey, Dr. Drake, I want to be a chiropractor. I'm like, cool. Um, I want you to go shadow five PTs, five MDs, five DOs, five nurse practitioners five, you know, really good trainers and five chiropractors. And when you're done with that, that's about 30 people. You can come back to me and tell me if this is something you really want to do. Because from there, 
they can they can really start to see what the energy is in those different you know areas. That's a I love that idea. Uh, really, it really helps students, especially. I, I know for myself, I was in a program where I was doing athletic training, and it wasn't until my internship that I realized, oh yeah, I really don't like this emergency medical care stuff on the field. And so I think it's very important for all students to fully evaluate what they want to go into and look at the other options out there, because that's something you're spending, you know, students are spending a lot of money to be in school. And, and I think that's a, an excellent way to, to do the, your internship. And don't be scared. I mean, I, I hear so many students that are like, you know, cause they're in school and, and they think that, you know, when, they're in class. That's the only time they need to be in class. And by the way, I, right. I will be straightforward, you know, even in my athletic career in college and everything else, like I wish I would have taken more time in my undergrad um, to go after some of the things that I had a passion for. But once I got into chiropractic college, um, when I wasn't in class, I was trying to shadow a doctor. I was, you know, reaching out to people. I was driving to clinics on my break to, you know, volunteer for the week of break. Um, so if you're in school and you have like, say, I love that you brought up it. ATC side for a second. Um, opportunities are only there if you're willing to go knock the door down. Now doors are going to open for you, but sometimes you've got to be the gnat, you know, that that's around their ear and their eye and, and that's bugging them um, to really get the attention to get that internship or get that position. Uh, I've always, you know, for me, if I want something, I'll call the person. You know, I'll go stop by their office. I'll stop by their work. You know, I'll. I'll follow up on an email. I'll write a thank you card. These are things that as a student, you really should know. If somebody does something for you, even in today's world, write a thank you card, write a thank you email. You will not realize how big that's going to be later on. And not only that, but if you've got free time in your schedule, and by the way, I, Tiffany, if you ever want me to talk about time management with your students, I'd love to show them how to do their time management. But there's that's so great. many hours in the week that they have that they don't realize that they could, and, and you're in Phoenix by the way, like ASU is a prime spot if you want to work with athletes or work with movement, because there's some of the best practitioners, everything from athletic training to physical therapy to, you know, performance training that we can get you hooked up with to go volunteer your time. And now you start getting that information. You never know what that's going to open. That's exactly right. You said it so very well. Well, Sean, I, I wanted to just thank you for the time that you spent with us today, and it's been invaluable. And, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of different things, and I really like how your focus was finding out the, you know, finding when somebody comes to you, finding out what their goals are and then assessing them. And I love that you, you introduced us to the, to the uh, devices that you mentioned. Those sound phenomenal. And, and they, I, I can see that they will make a lot of, they will help a lot of people and help us to progress. And, uh, but I, and I also want to thank you for, we talked about, you know, getting, getting people to where they want to go and safely. Are there any, any last words of wisdom that you can share with us to kind of, to get us on our way here? Yeah. Just remember that, you know, there's a lot of tools to attack the body. Um, but you got to remember that the brain's got to, you know, communicate to that body and what you put input to on the outside is going to affect the inside. 
so when you're deciding what you want to do, you know, go and actually try some of these things on yourself. You know, if, if you want to go into chiropractic and you've never seen a chiropractor, go see a few, go through their exam. Um, if you want to be a physical therapist, because maybe physical therapy helps you, uh, you know, go actually sit in a, and get another exam when you're not in, pay, in quote pain. Maybe you're looking at performance um, and pay for what's valuable to you. Now, students, I know that, you know, there's a, you guys don't have a lot of money, um, but if something is valuable to you, make the effort to pay for it, because if you're willing to pay for it, you can ask for it when you get into that profession. Um, I think that's a big thing that, you know, I talk, uh, I, I love to tell, you know, people is if you value something, pay for it. And whether that's a certification, you guys get student discounts on a lot of those things. Um, maybe it's a, a tool that you want to use to try to help out your clients. So right now, as a student, you get some of you are on student loans. Don't just go blow that money. Try to put 20% of that away every single semester so that way you can buy things like FMT bands or flex discs or, you know, foam rollers. Try to get your tools while you're in school. So when you get out, you can start your own mini LLC um, and start a business automatically. While you're in school, you should be training people. You should be talking to your rec center. Um, I guess that's the, the things I would leave you with right now. Start thinking as an entrepreneur now. If you want to be an employee, employees are great. Don't get me wrong. But I would love to see more entrepreneurs out there that are going after their dream, that are creating their brand while they're in school. So when they get out of school, they can pay off their student loans quick. And more importantly, they can really, really change the world. This is, this is great, Sean. I just love what you, what you just talked about. Very inspiring and, and it's very, very true. And I, I appreciate that you, you've uh, brought all of that up. And again, thank you for taking the time uh, to speak with us. I know your, your time, you're, very, you're a very busy guy. You, you keep busy for sure. And hopefully we can podcast together again. I would love that. You, anytime that you that you need me, I will I will try to make it into our schedule. Uh, it's been an honor. You know, I really like what you're doing at ASU, um, and I think that just with the you know short times that we've had together, your students should be really excited and, and proud to be in your courses because you truly care about their longevity and career. Um, and that's an honor to be working with you. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for your very kind words and. Uh, I look forward to uh, partnering with you again. Yes, ma'am. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And uh, if any of your students ever want to intern or stop by, you know, have them reach out to me um, and they'll have the lecture coming up soon and some other things that we're doing together. So hopefully they enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure they will. And thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, be certain to reach out to me. You'll find my contact information on the syllabus.